You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Lee Wong. Well, I'll never forget that fateful night in my little gray cubicle. It was a watershed moment for me, and there I had a paradigm shift. During yet another 15-hour workday, having been deprived of sunlight and social interactions for an entire week, I became delirious. I was losing my mind. And in my delirium, I became a philosopher. I began asking questions like, is this all there ever really is to life? And is there any purpose in all of this? Now, it wasn't supposed to be this way. Uh, My life was nothing like I had planned for myself at that time. I was supposed to have made a dent in the universe. I was supposed to cement my name among all the gods and kings of history as the next Steve Jobs or the next Bill Gates or even as the first half-Chinese, half-Mexican president. (laughs) And so for years, I listened to the world's formula for success. I went to school and I got a degree. I built a strong professional network. I got a great job and I arrived extra early. I stayed extra late. And I even worked weekends. I did everything I was supposed to in order to position myself high in the social hierarchy and in order to thrive. Yet there I sat in my little gray cubicle, uninspired and unfulfilled. I felt underutilized, unappreciated, and like I had so much more to offer the company, so much more to offer the world. And on top of all that, my cubicle was literally 10 steps away from my boss's office. Yet the bigwig never even acknowledged my existence. Even sitting across from him at team lunches, I swear, this is all that he saw. I was like the invisible man. Well, over time, I grew frustrated with my position in that organization, and I burned with resentment for feeling good for nothing. And so that fateful night, I stared deliriously at the fluorescent light above my desk. And I I thought, if for some random reason this fixture were to fall on my head and kill me, I'd have never fully lived. All I wanted to do was thrive. But in that position, I felt like I could barely even survive. And no one ever wants to feel that way. Wouldn't you agree? No one ever likes to feel that they are positioned at the end of the social pecking order or on the bottom of the totem pole with no purpose. It's why we jump from job to job to find our unique place where our skills can shine. It's why we work hard at making a name for ourselves in our profession. It's why we pursue bigger bank accounts, larger houses, higher degrees. It's why we're careful to present a flawless facade of our lives on social media. And it's why we're quick to change the subject whenever someone asks us what it is that we do for a living. We all want our lives to count for something. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting that. It's how we're wired. In fact, in 1943... Now-renowned psychologist Abraham Maslow posited the following. He said, we all have intrinsic needs to achieve, intrinsic needs to gain the approval of others and to feel valued. And modern research validates his theory. 
At some level, every single one of us has an innate desire to thrive. The problem is, oftentimes we think we don't have what it takes to make a difference in the world around us. Or maybe we feel limited by our lack of resources or we're too afraid to risk the one life we have for an uncertain future. Or maybe we view our current crappy circumstances as permanent. And so instead of thriving, we become jealous of and bitter towards others that we compare ourselves to. We become anxious and depressed. We choose to merely go through the motions of a mundane life wandering aimlessly through our journey, wondering what our purpose is. And by default, we settle for merely surviving. And I suspect that that's exactly how some of you here today and watching online and in the video cafe, I suspect that that's exactly how some of you are feeling. And because I've lived that, and because we at City Church, we love you, we want to see something different for you. We want to see a shift in your lives. Seeing all of you thrive has been the the inspiration behind this Gods and Kings series, and it begs the question then. So what should you and I do in order to fully live? I mean, how do we recalibrate our lives in order to shift from a life of merely surviving to a life of truly thriving? Well, the answer lies in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Many of Jesus' first followers were natives of prosperous Roman-ruled cities. Everybody who was somebody in that day lived as their own gods and kings. They lived their lives, their way, pursuing material possessions, pleasure, control, and dominance over others. Unfortunately, all this at the expense of many of Jesus' followers. You see, his followers, many of them, were disease-ridden. They suffered disabilities, and they were considered uneducated fools. These followers were hand-to-mouth nobodies. What they earned in that day, they used to eat that very night. They were so poor, to even partake in religious custom was luxury. And because of this, The social elite of that day scorned them, made them believe that they were good for nothing. Their whole lives, these marginalized individuals were made to feel that their position was at the end of the pecking order, on the bottom of the totem pole. Like I felt as a young accountant, I imagined that they burned with resentment. I imagined they were frustrated with their seemingly purposeless lives because much like many of us today, They wanted to thrive. Well, one day, Jesus challenged what they had been taught to believe their entire lives. And he did this using two metaphors. Now, with the first metaphor, he said to them, you are the salt of the earth. Now, there are infinite things Jesus could have said to encourage his crestfallen followers. He could have said, you are incredibly creative. Or he could have said, you are stunningly beautiful. Yet Jesus called his followers a measly mineral, the chemical compound sodium chloride. How is that an encouragement? Try calling your spouse salty. It does not work. (laughs) Well, of course, 
salt was used for flavoring. In fact, in that day, a meal was not considered a meal without salt. And so maybe Jesus was implying they were to flavor the earth. That makes a little sense. And of course, salt was a preservative. And so maybe Jesus was implying that they were to also preserve the earth. I can buy that as well. But remember all that we just discussed. Remember, many of Jesus' followers were hand-to-mouth commoners. They weren't flavoring much, and they weren't preserving anything. And Jesus knew this about them. So could it be that Jesus was driving home yet another point? Now, the thing is, you and I have no clue just how important salt was in the first century. It meant so much more to their lifestyle, and as the cornerstone of their world economy, salt was a symbol of wealth. Roman soldiers were paid in salt money, a salarium. It's where we get our term for salary. In fact, salt was so important, it's where we get our terms for salad and for sauce. Salt was used as a cleansing scrub, antiseptic on wounds, remedy for toothache and for mouthwash. The purest of salt was highly sought after by the religious leaders of that day as God's law required salt to purify every sacrifice, every offering. It was especially critical for maintaining body fluids in the sweltering heat of the Middle East where they lived. Now to recap, used for food, money, medicine, purification, and religion, salt was and still is absolutely indispensable to life. And so what exactly was Jesus saying by calling his followers the salt of the earth? Jesus, God himself was saying, as vital as salt is to sustaining life, so too are you. You don't have to go through life merely surviving because you have a vital purpose to live out. So even if you believe you have no talents, you still have a vital purpose to live out. If you're depressed and you think your life counts for nothing, you still have a vital purpose. If a friend, parent, or religious leader scorned you, made you feel worthless, if memories of abuse squeeze you with shame or if a mistake in your past grips you with guilt, Jesus The one true God and King says you still have a vital purpose to live out. Now, what is this so-called vital purpose that we need to live out? What is it that you and I were created for? Well, Jesus explained it with his second metaphor. He said, you are the light of the world. Now, you don't have to be a regular church attendee in order to have heard this phrase before. But even if you have heard this, pay attention because this is important. We have to internalize this. In the original text of scripture, the little verb from which we translate the word are is the Greek word este. It's kind of like the Spanish esta. Now, este is used to explain the fundamental reason why you and I exist. In this case, este has timeless implications, meaning light isn't something you become. Light isn't something you have to aspire to be. 
whether or not your life currently reflects it, regardless of the mistakes that you have made and the mistakes that you will make, light is the essence of who you already are. It is your very nature because it's how God himself created you. And you were created in the image of God. You are light. You are an indispensable agent created to radiate a grander vision to other people's lives so that they do not stumble and so that they have hope. You are light, a necessary agent to stimulate growth and essential to emit the warmth of God's love to the people around you. In other words, God created you and me, every single one of us, with a vital purpose to help others thrive. Now, at the risk of doing something cheesy, I need y'all's active participation in this. I need you guys to interact with me here. So we have to get this, and we have to internalize this. Your children have to get this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say you are light, to which you will respond, affirming this. Using these words, you will say, I am light. And I got, you, you guys have got to do this with some conviction, okay? So I'm going to say, you are light, to which you respond in these words, affirming it, I am light. Now, you in the video cafe, we want to be able to hear you. All right. You are light. I don't even think they heard you in the video cafe. We got to do this again. All right. You are light. Thank you. You are light. Now, you might be asking yourself, okay, what does any of this have to do with the whole Gods and Kings series? What does any of this have to do with us shifting from a life of merely surviving to a life of truly thriving? In his best-selling book, Give and Take, Wharton College professor Adam Grant examined why some people thrive and why others, well, they just merely survive. Now, this guy scoured three decades of research, and he found that people operate in one of three approaches, as either takers, matchers, or givers. Maybe some of you have heard this before. Now, takers live as their own gods and kings. They strive to get as much as possible for themselves from others. They live for material possessions, pleasure, control, and dominance over other people. Now, matchers, well, they evenly exchange favors, a favor for a favor. And givers, the lights of the world, they contribute to others without expecting anything in return. Givers, these lights of the world, purpose their time, their energy, knowledge, skills, ideas, and connections so that others can thrive. They radiate a grander vision for other people. They emit the warmth of love. Well, what Grant's research found is that only one style consistently achieved extraordinary results. Only one style outperformed peers and was considered the most influential style of them all. And so out of the takers, matchers, and givers, which group do you think was most likely to thrive? As counterintuitive as it may seem, the givers. The lights of the world were most likely to thrive. 
And it's like we've proved again and again in this Gods and Kings series. Jesus knows exactly what he's talking about. It's just as he said. When we yield our lives to the one true God and King, it yields the life we are all striving for. And so what does this mean for us today? I mean, if we want to thrive, are we all supposed to just quit our jobs, sell all of our possessions and move to third world countries to become missionaries? Well, according to what Jesus said next, that isn't necessary for everyone. He said, a city positioned on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and position it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Here's what that means. Because you are light. There isn't a place or a position in which you cannot shine. God created you such that you can thrive no matter where you are, no matter your circumstance. And this means, here's our big idea for the day. You are already positioned to live out your purpose. You are already positioned to live out your purpose as light and to shine. You know, all around us, there are people living in darkness among wickedness and in misery. Last year, almost 6,000 children in Bear County were physically abused or neglected. Because of the I-10, I-35 corridor where we live, San Antonio is a hot spot for human trafficking. Teenage girls all around our city, perhaps some even in your own neighborhoods, are being deceived or coerced into sex slavery. They're low-hanging fruit partly because, as our friends at the food bank have reported, one in four children are desperate and starving for food here in South Texas. They don't know where their next meal is going to come from. And I'm sure, as you heard, in recent years, San Antonians were the second most active group on the cheating website, Ashley Madison. The very children in your house, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, they all need your light. The world around you needs you to live out your purpose. And so today, in the culmination of this Gods and Kings series, I am asking you to stop merely surviving. You know, we spent three weeks proving that Jesus is the only one qualified to rule our lives as God and King. And each week, we've looked at research, secular research that proves everything that he has said is legitimate. It proves that yielding our lives to the king yields the life we all want. And so I'm asking you today to have a watershed moment of your own, a paradigm shift. I'm asking you to make the chief aim of your life be not to live life as your own God and king, as a taker trying to get as much as possible for yourself, but be to live every day as the light you were created to be as the light that radiates a grander vision, as a light that emits the warmth of God's love, as the light that helps other people thrive. And it doesn't require much. You are already positioned to show your disgruntled coworker that he or she inherently matters. You are already positioned to give a struggling student your time in order to mentor them. 
to lead your classmates away from poor, uh, from poor decisions, to comfort a friend going through a divorce, to provide financial relief for the struggling single parent just down your street, to give what you can next week for the Feed SA initiative, to simply give a compliment, express gratitude, or acknowledge your employee that's 10 steps away from your office. You are already positioned to live out your purpose as light. Guess what? Something miraculous happens when we do. What the further research reveals is that humans are intuitively attracted to givers like insects are attracted to light. And so when we lights do what we were created to do, when we radiate a grander vision, when we emit the warmth of God's love, the effects cascade and they spread. Givers multiply. Light grows more brilliant. People pay it forward. More and more people begin to thrive. When we use whatever position we have to live out our purpose as light, it transforms individuals, it transforms families, organizations, communities. It can even transform the most brutal of prisons. Angola, the Louisiana State Penitentiary the largest maximum security prison in the nation. Its history is considered the bloodiest, and Angola is famed for brutality, riots, and murder. It's been described as medieval and horrifying. It currently houses 6,300 inmates, of which 90% will die there. The reputation was such that no one wanted the warden position, but Burl Kane did. In 1995, Burl Cain became warden. Burl recognized that criminals are takers, gods and kings that live only for themselves. And he perceived that the inmates were desperate for something more than just merely surviving. And so he set out to show the inmates a grander vision for their lives. He believed that if they learned it was better to give than it was to take, then the prison would thrive. And he thought, what better way for God to change a place than for men to learn that they were created to be light? Burl used his position to live out his purpose. He partnered with a school to teach the inmates about Jesus. Inmates were trained in ministry. Then they were strategically positioned all throughout the prison to be lights in the midst of dark. Then the inmates created programs to give back. Inmates started a toy shop. Each Christmas, they give out 6,000 wooden toys. Then they started manufacturing. Each year, they make and give away 1,500 bicycles. And annually, the inmates will repair and ship out 1,700 wheelchairs to third world countries. From working in print shops, herding cattle, farming, and DJing on the incarceration radio station, thousands of Angola inmates have discovered that even in a prison where they have been condemned to die, they too are positioned to live out their purpose as light. The prison's gods and kings culture has changed dramatically. There's no graffiti, there's no gangs, and the stats are incredible when it comes to violence. Mothers and daughters can now walk anywhere throughout that prison without hearing catcalls and whistles. Now this is just as Jesus taught. It's just as modern research suggests. When we live our lives as we are supposed to, as we were created to, 
when we live to be light, live to help others thrive, it's how we'll only ever truly thrive. And just like Burl Cain was, you are already positioned to live out your purpose. Thus, Jesus said, let your light shine. So this is us. This is you. The fundamental reason why you and I exist to be lights that illuminate the darkness that surrounds us. You know, over the last several weeks, we had talked about why we can trust in Jesus, why we should yield our lives to him. And the evidence shows that he exists and that he is qualified to be God and King. And then we saw last week that the way we seek first the King's righteousness is by authentically connecting with others because other people inherently matter. We saw this week what it is we are to do. We are to be what we were created to be, to be the lights that illuminate the dark. And so earlier in the service, I had stated that I was hoping we would see a watershed moment in your lives today, that there would be a paradigm shift today where you would make a declaration based on all that we've learned these last couple of weeks, that you are going to live your life being a light, the light you were created to be. And so we've knelt and we've sent text messages. And what we're going to do today, as a symbolic gesture between us and God and the people around us, if that is a declaration you are going to make, that you are going to live your life as best you can. Yes, you're going to mess up, but as best you can is the light you were created to be. I want you to just lift up your phone and shine that little light of yours. those phones out and keep them up with the light shining. I'm just going to pray that God blesses this. Lord, again, we thank you. We thank you that you have given us sufficient evidence for those of us who are skeptical and who may doubt God. We thank you that the research proves over and over again that yielding our lives to you yields the life that we're striving for. Lord, it is our prayer that you would help us that you would give us the strength, you would give us the faith in order to live our lives yielding to you. So Lord, with our phones up, it is our declaration that that is what we want. We want a life yielding to you, being the light that you created us to be. So Lord, help us shine. Help us point others who are in darkness to you, the one true God and King. So God, we thank you that you love us so much create us with such a pure nature. We pray all of this in Jesus' name and everyone who agreed said, amen. Thank you guys. That was beautiful, by the way. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.